You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 77 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. I'm Jim Rome. Hey, you know what? I'm going to eliminate the small talk and jump right into this episode because I think today's app is that powerful. Today's guest is that dynamic, and what he has to say is that transformative. If you're about self-actualization, reaching your potential, being a hero, and about that life, you will be all about this conversation. It's that compelling, and my guest is that commanding. I can't wait to drop this on you. But a quick thought right off the top before I do. I don't want to completely give away what I believe to be a critical part of the conversation, but I do want to tee it up for you. I think we'd all agree on the universal list of undefeateds, right? For the sake of brevity, I'm going to go right to the king, Father Time, the undefeated, unbeaten, untied heavyweight champion of the history of the world, Father Time. Father Time has never even trailed, has never lost, and never will. We know this. Best you can do is push back as hard as you can against him and try to delay the inevitable. Try to keep decay at bay. But you'll never win. No one ever has. Nobody ever will. Look, I know this as well as anybody. I can't go back decades physically, but can I go back mentally? I can't really reset myself physically as to when I was in my early 20s and late teens, of course. But can I reset myself mentally? Can I reset and rewire my mindset to that time? We all know when we're at our very best or we're at our very best. Going into and coming out of college, what I lacked in experience, maturity and wisdom, I made up for with pure hunger, fire, drive, ambition, and rocket fuel. I had this giant chip on my shoulder. I was willing to pay an enormous price to knock down my targets, to hit my goals, and to live the life of my dreams. And I was willing to go to battle for it every damn day, all day, no days off. I mean, in short, I was kind of a maniac. And it didn't even feel like work. In fact, it felt incredible. That was my separation. I wasn't really distinguishable in any way from anybody I was competing with. I wasn't, except in that one regard, because I knew in my bones that I wanted it worse than anybody I was bumping up against, and I absolutely loved everything about it. That was my mindset. But then you get into the game. You start to hit your goals. You have some success. You stay in the game for a while. And then the next generations come in. The game changes. The players change. The old heads are pushed to the side and everybody is looking for the next big thing. Except some of us don't want to fade away. Some of us don't want to settle down. We want to double down. We want to know that in our bones, we still have it. That not only are we still competitive and still relevant, but that we can climb another Everest, create a new standard, dominate yet again. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Seems to me the same way you did it the first time, with an unbelievable mindset and process and fire. I want to know if after decades in the game, can I reset myself and once again go to battle with that same maniacal approach that got me to the top of that first mountain? Can I do it at this age? Can I reproduce that same mindset, that same fire, that same energy, that same drive when I went to battle for the ultimate life initially? Can I? Hell yes, I can. But how? 
How do I reset myself to recapture that fire I had back in the day? How do I summon that rocket fuel from back in the day? So I've been working on this very thing for quite some time, and I found somebody that I want to put that question to. Well, that among many other questions, but he's Brian Johnson, author of an incredible new book entitled Arate, Activate Your Heroic Potential. Brian's also a CEO. He's a coach to extremely high achievers worldwide, and he is one of the most dynamic leaders I've ever spoken to on this pod. His reputation precedes him, but he does come to us via a mutual friend, one of the most energetic, beloved people I know, former major leaguer Sean Casey. Yo, Case, what up? Hat tip, brother. Love you. Thanks very much for this. If you're listening right now, and if you lock in, and you show up for this conversation the way Brian Johnson shows up for everything in his life, I guarantee you're going to come out of this much better than you were when you came in. It's episode 77 of The Reinvention Project with CEO, author, and renowned coach Brian Johnson, and it's coming at you right now. So, Brian, first things first, I got to say, I've been really, really looking forward to meeting you and having this conversation for quite some time now. It is great to have you on. How you living? How are things, brother? Dude, I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm still buzzing from our, I think I set a record, 100 minutes straight texting back and forth with you last night. That was so fun. And I've been looking forward to our chat. Yeah, I got to ask you something. We That was not planned. That was just like you were checking in. Hey, brother, looking forward to tomorrow. It's going to be great. And then you and I just started going and riffing and kept going and going and going. Dude, were you on the side of the road somewhere in Texas? Like, where did that go down? Dude, I literally, so, you know, I, I blew you up right after I walked out of that, you know, the the uh, little talk I gave. And then I'm driving home, you know, a stoplight check-in. I'm like, dude, this is, this is awesome. I literally pulled over on the shoulder of some random highway by uh, Circuit of the Americas. Literally, I was like right by there uh, and just, just was so fun. But yeah, random shoulder on a highway. <laughs> <laughs> between Austin and, and uh, Bastrop. Well, the thing is, too, also, we'll get into this, but are you not somebody who likes to get to bed early? Are you not somebody who wants to make sure you get your rest? Like, what are you doing on the side of the road blowing me up for, quote, 100 minutes? Dude, that was so fun. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm seizing the moment, man. I got, my, I got my principles, I got my bright lines, and I know when to go over them, you know? It just, I, for me, it was a very special moment, um, and we were just going off, and then the time flew, um, but you literally kept me up later than, uh, I've been up in years, 1140, which <laughs> is like pumpkin hour for me, but, uh, just woke up feeling great. And, um, yeah, that was fun. I, I, I love that line. I've got my bright lines. I know when it's okay to go over them. And that was a moment. So I appreciate that. All right, Brian, here's the thing. You've got a tremendous new book that just dropped. It's called Arte, Activate Your Heroic Potential. Now, I know that word, but not everybody does. Let's jump right into this. For those who do not know it, what is the definition of Arte? Yeah, well, Arte, if you ask the ancient Stoics like Aurelius and Epictetus and Seneca or the ancient Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, how to live a good life, they'd answer you in a single word. And that word is Arte. So we directly translate it as virtue or excellence, but it has a deeper meaning, something closer to being your best self moment to moment to moment. And when you do that, you achieve the summum bonum, the greatest good of life, which is to experience what they called eudaimonia, a deep sense of joy and meaning and purpose. 
All right, so when you live with Arate, for instance, what is your heroic potential? What is your heroic potential, and then how do you go about activating it? Yeah, I mean, the way that I, I like to describe it, and I use the story of um, me and my son. My son's into chess, right? He wants to be a grandmaster, and one day he was just kind of uh, not showing up in a way that um, he didn't want to go to a tournament, right? And so we had this conversation and I used it as a way to explain Arte. But the way that I like to frame it up, which I'll connect to being heroic, is I like to draw a line in the air, like parallel with my eyes, right? And I'm like, hey, if you're capable of being this, and I draw that line with my hand, and you're actually being this, and there's a gap that's a foot below who you could have been, right? So you could have been this, there's a gap between who you, who you were and who you could have been. It's in that gap in which regret, anxiety, disillusionment, and depression exist. It's, it's more nuanced than that, but it's also that simple. When you close the gap, when you express the best version of yourself and live with Arte, again, you experience it in that moment. And I like to say that in the moment in which you express the best version of yourself, you are heroic. You don't need to wait 30 years or whatever in order to do all the things that you think you need to do to feel fulfilled and to give your gifts to the world. In that moment, you are heroic. And oh, by the way, then you got the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. Um, and that's kind of how I frame it up. And we can talk about what the word hero means etymologically, et cetera. Um, but that's kind of how I see it. All right. So that's exactly where I'm going next. Why don't we do that etymologically? How would you define the word hero? What's it mean to be a hero? Dude, I'm so enjoying this, by the way. A lot of people tell me like when they connect with me one on one, they're like, dude, you know, I've listened to you for so long. And now I'm like, in real time so i'm listening to your voice and i'm like dude let's go super fun uh in ancient greece let's fucking go bro you, you can do this let's fucking go we can say that on this podcast <laughs> dude i'm mr rogers in public nobody will hear me say that out loud but i'm an i'm a swashbuckling navy seal in private so when we get off we'll have fun with that but okay. uh that's that's part of my my fun playful uh, playful style but i love hearing it from you let's go um separately if you, if you want to change your shoes this, and right? put on a nice warm sweater you can mr rogers the holiday season is in full swing it's here and so is the responsibility of showing up strong with the right holiday gift clones look no further than sending omaha steaks they have you covered with guaranteed perfection during their black friday and cyber monday sales go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50 percent off site-wide plus use my full name jim rome as your promo code at checkout to get an additional 30 dollars off your order 50 percent off and 30 dollars more off can you beat that Score delicious deals on tender, juicy, extra-aged steaks like their mouth-watering bacon-wrapped filet mignons. That's a holiday gift favorite. Or send their easy-to-prepare meals and carefully curated gift packages that are guaranteed to make those receiving these gifts very happy recipients. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor and endless value. Visit omahasteaks.com and save big with 50% off site-wide. Plus, use the promo code JIMROME spelled as one word at checkout and get that extra 30 bucks off your order hurry because the black friday and cyber monday deals at omaha steaks are for a limited time only that's omahasteaks.com promo code jim rome at checkout sorry i gotta go there real quick sean casey connected us thank you sean he sent me a video at major league baseball network silent he's all powdered up you know silent voice <laughs> Let's effing go. It's like one of the funniest things ever. So in ancient Greece, 
the word hero didn't mean tough guy or killer of bad guys. The word they came up with for hero meant protector. So a protector is someone who cultivates the strength for two. Um, their secret weapon is love, and they do the hard work to have that strength for two. And I want to rebrand um, what it means to be heroic. And one of the ways I like to frame it up is, you know, I kind of get all the public accolades in our family, but my wife is at least as, if not considerably more heroic than me. She's doing stuff day in and day out, and no one's ever going to hear about it. But it's that stuff, being a better person, making a contribution to our family, um, and deepening relationships with, with people in our lives that leads to true sustainable happiness. Um, but that's, that's how the ancient Greeks framed up what it means to be heroic. And the shift for us in the modern world is quit being a victim you know, um, and complaining and criticizing and blaming and stand up, get clear on what you want to see in the world and then go create it, moving from victim to creator to hero. I was going to say, what is the line? What is the move from victim to hero? It's simple, dude. Uh, when you find yourself complaining, criticizing, blaming, etc., you've lost agency. You're being a victim. You ask one simple question. Something's missing in your life when you experience those emotions. And we all experience it. Frustration's fine. No issue with that. We're human. That's an important emotion. But the question is, what do you want? What's missing in your life and what do you want? Get clear on, radically accept your current reality. It is what it is. You can't change that in the moment. But what do you want? We call it targeted thinking. And then most importantly, what do you need to do right now in order to get more of that thing that you want? Then you get your agency back. Then you shift from being a victim to a creator um, to being the hero of your own story instead of, you know, the whining victim of your story. No one wants to watch that movie. You don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> That's how you make the show. That movie sucks. That show sucks. I think that what you're doing is you're answering questions before I can ask them because, Brian, I was going to say to you, what then is the best way to create a life of deep meaning and purpose? Because that's what we all want. Well, this is why we just spent 100 minutes, you know, going back and forth the other day. You know, it's like it, it, that that for me anyway, the resonance that I felt. So objective number one in the book and in everything that I do in my work, integrating ancient wisdom and modern sciences, helping people understand the ultimate game. You've got to know the ultimate game and you've got to know that you've been seduced to play the wrong game. And this is a 2500 year old challenge. The Stoics talked about it. All the ancient faith and wisdom traditions talked about it. Um, but we've been seduced to go after, you know, the fame, the wealth, the hotness, the extrinsic factors. But the reality is, and science says, that even if you are successfully pursuing the fame, wealth, and hotness, you are less, and I get goosebumps every time I say this, psychologists say you are less, and I quote, psychologically stable than people who are going after the intrinsic stuff, which I mentioned, which is be a better person, deepen relationships, and make a contribution to your family, independent of the number of Instagram followers you have, the number of square footage in your house, and all the other things. So the ultimate game is to be your best self in service to something bigger than yourself. And obviously, there's a lot of details um, behind that, but that's it at the highest possible level. All right. So the goal is to play the ultimate game. What is the danger then in playing the wrong game? Yeah, I mean, well, Stephen Covey put it really well 20, 30 years ago. He said, well, the danger is you get up to the top of the ladder, you're on that last rung, and you look around and you realize you put the ladder up against the wrong wall. 
Right. And then David Brooks's new book or recent book called this uh, two mountains or the second mountain, rather, he says you get up to the top of the first mountain. Same thing. You look around, you're like, wait, I did everything that society told me I needed to do. Yet I do not feel the fulfillment, the happiness, the meaningful joy that I anticipated. Well, well, good luck. You're ready for the second mountain. You're ready to play the ultimate game. And then the other metaphor I like to use is a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. But if the first step is in the wrong direction, the faster you go toward that destination, the further away you get from the ideal desired destination. Um, but that's the basic idea. Um, and again, that's one of the leading reasons why 80% of us are struggling with some form of anxiety, depression, burnout, et cetera. All right. So two things. I'm going to go back to that point because I want to ask you about anxiety. But to this point that you're talking about and maybe setting up on the wrong wall or the wrong mountain, you picked up a phrase recently that I found really interesting. Quote, joyless urgency. What does it mean to be joylessly urgent? How do you know this all about me, dude? I'm like, how do you know my bedtime is 730? You're a professional. You're prepped. Joyless urgency. I think it was from 2000 weeks. I haven't done a, a philosopher's note on it yet. Um, so I, I, I like to attribute my sources. Um, and I, I'm not recalling the individual that gave me this phrase, but a lot of us have joyless urgency. And that just struck me because I feel that, you know, I'm working hard and I'm, I'm an ambitious guy trying to do all the things, but really remembering to bring joy to my life um it has become a central theme and i think that that's especially hard to do when you're on that treadmill you know you're chasing more on the first mountain um and, and again scientists say that there is no eudaimonic treadmill there's a hedonic treadmill where you the more you get the more you want and you're running but you're not getting anywhere you know there's never quite enough and you adapt to whatever you have right now um, but there is no such thing as a eudaimonic treadmill. The more you pursue these ideas and the more virtue you aspire to embody, the, the deeper you, you form your relationships and the more you truly commit to making a difference in the world, independent of the external factors of success, the more joyful and grounded you feel. That makes sense to me. So it's getting cold again, and I've got a tremendous way to stay warm. Two words, heat holders. Heat holders. Heat holders make the warmest thermal socks around. They keep your feet warmer than just ordinary socks in the coldest conditions. Perfect for those winter sports like skiing or weekend in the coldest parts of Wisconsin, for instance. How do they do it? Heat holders uses a three-stage process with a cashmere-like advanced insulating yarn that is soft to the touch and brushed on the inside. That traps warm air closer to your skin. It keeps your feet warmer, comfortable, and dry. They are absolutely the softest, most comfortable socks I have ever worn. Guaranteed. They also have hats, gloves, throws, scarves, and more. Give somebody heat holders for the holidays that you know need these badly. They will appreciate the hookup and your discovery. Go to heatholders.com, enter my code ROME, R-O-M-E, and save 15% off your order. Receive free shipping with a purchase of $25 or more. If you don't want to freeze this winter, go to heatholders.com and use the code ROME. Once again, that's heatholders.com, heat holders, making life warmer.
Now, Brian, this point about anxiety, I think that it's something that we're talking, we're getting more and more comfortable talking about it, but I don't think people want to say to those around them, to their friends, to their family, to their coworkers, hey, man, I'm anxious. I'm anxious. I'm kind of tripping out a little bit. You just made the point. Probably 80% are experiencing some level of anxiety. We're not medical health or mental health professionals, but in your opinion, if 80% is experiencing some level of anxiety, how should they go about combating it? Yeah, man, I, I gave a talk um, on Mental Health Day a couple of weeks ago to a very, very large organization, and I was introduced by the woman that ran an organ, ran a part of the company that was dealing with invisible disabilities, and it just struck me. So just to frame it up, um, and then I'll answer the question directly. The first slide I had in that presentation, invisible disabilities, was a picture of my family 25 years ago. I'm like 24 years old. It's my sister's wedding, right? And we all look super happy, blue collar family in a church. Um, but what you don't see in the picture is the fact that my dad struggling with alcohol and depression, my brother struggling with alcohol and depression. I had wanted to end my own life like 18 months before that. I'd go through another dark phase a few six months after that. So there's these invisible disabilities um, that, that so many of us are experiencing. And I think the first most important thing to recognize is you're not alone. Because when I was going through that, I thought something was fundamentally wrong with me. I was the only one experiencing it. And that made me feel extraordinarily worse. So there's a science to self-compassion where you take away the shame and you realize, you know what? It's not because you're you. It's because you're human. And that simple embrace of common humanity and then being kind with yourself and then being mindful of what you're doing that's working and not working, I think is where we start. Um, so there's, there's that. But then for me, I, I dominate my fundamentals, dude, like I'm a world-class athlete. I eat, I move, I sleep, I breathe, I focus my attention on my basic physiology because your physiology drives a lot more of your psychology than you think. Um, your gut produces 80, 85, 90% of your body's serotonin. Yet when's the last time you went to a psychiatrist or psychologist and they prescribed a diet that didn't have as much sugar and refined food so you can get your gut dialed in so you can produce the proper amounts of serotonin. So I'm all about the fundamentals. You couldn't pay me with rare exceptions when I'm blowing up um, a new dear friend of mine, you know, at late at night, cool, perfect. I'll go make up for it tonight. But you couldn't pay me to do what I used to do, ordering a buy one pizza, get one free. All right, I'll have one for dinner and one for breakfast. You know, after I go to bed at 2 a.m., wake up after X hours, never move my body, of course I felt that way. So to conquer anxiety, I think we need to know we can. Um, we need to know we're not alone. And then we got to dominate the most basic fundamentals. All right, let me tell you something. I, I absolutely love, love, love what you just said. And again, I know you could extrapolate and go on that for another hour at least. But the, you know, this whole point about when things get tough, you got to double down on your protocol or your fundamentals. You also make an unbelievable point that I think is connected to this. I think everybody listening, Brian, would agree with this statement, but they're not always conscious of it. I fall trap or into the trap myself. But you make the point that when you do things that you know you should not do and you choose not to step into growth or personal development, you're going to want to numb yourself at the end of the day with whatever it is you numb yourself with. I know that life. I've been a part of that life. I've ended up in the pantry and then it makes it so much worse. Can you elaborate on that? That when you don't do those things that you know you should do, inevitably you're going to end your day by numbing yourself. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, this is a again goosebumps. This is objective two is you got to forge anti-fragile confidence. So you got to be the type of person that when life hits you, you 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 just deepen your commitment to doing what you know is best for you. And when you don't do that, you completely erode um, your sense of of confidence and your trust in yourself. But Abraham Maslow, the great humanistic psychologist who created the whole hierarchy of needs. That dude was intense. He makes us look like we were bashful, like we're bashful. He says in any given moment, you can step forward into growth or back into safety, forward into growth, back into safety. And he says every single time you deviate from what you're capable of being, it makes an imprint in your consciousness. And then he and, and someone's paying attention, you know. So when you're making those choices where you're allowing the gap to be present and again, none of us are ever going to close it perfectly all the time. And part of having wisdom is to know that and not shame yourself, but to try to get better. But if you consistently don't do what you know you can do, man, I mean, again, we all have our kryptonites, but those are the days you're going to go numb yourself, as you said. But stated positively, when you know that's true, and then you're able to more consistently close the gap and do the thing you know you could be doing, you feel great. And when you do that, especially when you don't feel like doing it, which is part of the whole protocol and all that good stuff, you become as close to invincible as you can be. I want to be very clear about this, not analogy, but this theory about closing the gap. You've referenced that a couple of times. I love it, but I want to make sure that our listeners know exactly what it is you're talking about. The gap. What is the gap? The gap between what? What are we looking to close or narrow? Yeah. So then in any given moment, there's a best version of you that you can express. And we all know that, you know, if you slow down long enough, you can say, all right, in this moment, what do I want? What would the best version of me do? And then if there is a gap between that and what you're being, you know, so if I'm yelling at my kids, which is one of the examples I use in the, in the, in the book, right? No, that's not quite what I was capable of being. If there's that gap, um, again, that's where the regret, anxiety, disillusionment comes up. But does that help frame it up better? Or you want to help me um, drive that in? No, I think that's good. I think that works for sure. So let me ask you this, like if it's a process and you're constantly working it, and, and I know you, I would say you're like me, we're not looking for the hack. We're not looking for the shortcut. We don't think there's that. But let me sound like a hypocrite and ask you this. Do you believe that on some level you can change your life overnight? Dude, on one level, again, uh, knowing where you're going with this, on one level, absolutely not. On another level, absolutely. And the way to do it is get an extra hour of sleep tonight. So the science is unequivocal, man. If you don't get seven to eight hours of sleep, you're just not showing up at your best self. Now, again, of course, I didn't get that last night and I can show up. But if you're chronically not getting the seven to eight hours of sleep you need, which scientists say the odds of you being the one person who can get by on that because of, of some weird genetic mutation are the same as the odds of you being struck by lightning in your lifetime, one in 11,000. So the fastest way to change your life overnight is to shut down your electronics, to shut down all the inputs and get one extra hour of sleep tonight if you're getting less than seven to eight. And I've literally, dude, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I gave that talk to the US men's national team, right? So Greg, which is what I was heading home from when we connected yesterday. Greg and I connected, you know, Greg, Greg Berhalter, for those who don't know, Brian, Greg Berhalter is the sure. head coach. Yeah, yeah. And again, small world city, dude. Like when we were going back and forth, it's like, what? <laughs> you guys are going to Italy games together and all the other things, you know? Um, but he and I connect because we had a book event launch at the same hotel their team was in, in Austin. 
and we're, we, you know, we get connected and we're just one of those instant connections. I'm showing him the heroic app. I'm showing him my aura scores and literally we're trading aura scores 24 hours later, he's blowing it up, you know, from very simple distinctions, last meal, three to four hours before you go to bed, that extra hour of sleep. So there are little things you can do that aren't little, but the real hack is when you figured out who you are at your best, don't give up your gains. This is what I talked to the team about last night. You got to make your prior best your new baseline. You got to know who you are and what you do when you're at your best and never give up those gains. That's the ultimate hack. Consistency over, uh, well, you want consistency over the long run. It's John Wooden 101. You know, I went to UCLA. Put on your socks. First thing he taught his players, put on your socks. If you can't get that most basic fundamental thing right, good luck. You're not winning championships. But no one wants to learn how to put on their socks. They want to do all the fancy things. So I'm all about the simple, most basic fundamentals, ruthlessly, relentlessly, joyfully, by the way, repeated. These aren't chores. These are gifts you're giving to yourself. You know, I'm not showing up saying, oh, no, I got to do this, this, and this. I go, oh, yeah, I want to be heroic. I want to really, truly show up as my best and literally change the world. All right, cool. What price do I need to pay? Let me get at it. Um, and I do that with joy. Um, yeah. I, I love that those are no longer chores. I'm sure at some point you thought they were chores, but you reframed it. I want to go back to what you just said, that when you were talking to the team, you said to them, quit giving away your gains. This is a problem I have, Brian. I do this a lot. In fact, I, I don't even want to admit how often I do this. I am constantly giving away gains, beating myself up, chasing, getting it back, and then giving it back. What does that do? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that does that not make you so up and down? And then what does that do? Yeah, and again, look what you're doing, you know? So, so uh, meaning you're crushing it, and it is, it's part of the human experience as well. So, you know, George Leonard, great, great Aikido master who wrote a book called Mastery. He, he says, look, that's part of the process too. So I'm not saying it's up and to the right. You never slide back, right? Because you will. It's three steps forward, two steps back. And sometimes he says four steps back, and then you got to crawl your way back up to where you were. But you want to be wise. You want to see the game you're playing and how to play it well. And you want to realize that the ultimate hack, the ultimate trick is quit doing that. So then we identified well, all right, well, what specifically do you do, dude, when you're at your best? And how do we make sure you do those things um, more and more consistently? And you give yourself a way to win even when you're not motivated. This is BJ Fogg, the, the Stanford behavioral scientist, the James Clear um, basically adapted in Atomic Habits, the best-selling book out there right now. Um, you got to make it easy to win on the days you have no motivation so you don't break the streak, you know, to use that metaphor. So it's okay to suck. It's not okay to skip certain fundamental things. Um, but it's exciting, man. You know, and, and then it literally becomes a game of, oh, yeah, all right, cool. I, I slipped a little bit yesterday. Well, I call the day after those days rebound days. That's when you go even more intensely. You don't let two days slip in. Because if you let three days slip in, dude, it's three weeks, it's three months, it's three years, and you look back and you're like, what happened, you know? Yeah, and then then it's an identity. Now, Brian, Arate, the, th the great thing about the book, 
and people who get the book will see this. What it is is, and you've spent decades working this and calling it down to this, you have 451 life-changing ideas in that book. The great thing about it, though, is it's, you know, it's, it's historic philosophy and modern science. Let me ask you this. What would science say? Science. What would science say is the number one virtue correlated with your well-being? Dude, surprisingly, um, I'll tell you the two that are tied for second, gratitude and hope. Gratitude is incredibly important. Grateful people don't take, don't take things for granted. They take them as granted. And then hope. You have to have hope. You have to believe your future can be better than your present, um, that you can make it so, and you got to have a plan. Otherwise, you're hopeless, which is one, a one-way ticket to depression. But really surprisingly, the number one virtue most highly correlated with our flourishing, they, they use a goofy word for it, zest. It's your sense of vitality, your sense of energy, which is why I emphasize the fundamentals, eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, and focusing your mind. And this is my experience, dude. When I literally was thinking about ending my life, I was so up and down energetically, which drove my psychology. Um, so yeah, zest, a sense of... Um, vitality and enthusiasm for life and um that's what we obsess about with the book with our heroic app etc i was going to double back to that i did not that i did not lose track of that fact brian when you talk about thinking back in the day about taking your own life was it a fleeting thought or was it all you could think about what was going on exactly in your life dude it was bad so uh again i already mentioned my kind of um you know youngest of five uh super i didn't mention actually this is what we were talking about last night youngest of five um kids mom got married at 17 i'm just gonna give you the quick context and then i'll, sure. I'll go into the depths yeah, yeah. youngest of five kids uh devout catholic family lower middle class my dad worked in a grocery store for 39 years as i mentioned struggle with alcohol my brother struggled with alcohol my dad's dad killed himself and so I can jokingly say now that I seem to have lost the genetic and environmental lottery on that one. Hmm. And then, you know, first generation college student, UCLA, UC Brothers, let's go. Um, I graduate from UCLA and I begin my career at the old Arthur Anderson. Now, these guys are super generous with me. I interned in audit and tax. I go to their financial planning training. I go to business consulting training. I hold the record for four service lines trained in a year. And I throw up on the 405 driving home from work on the second day of my career. I pull over rush hour traffic at night and I'm like, dude, this sucks. There's no way I want to do this for the rest of my life. So then my escape valve is I'm going to go to law school, right? So I, I just obsessed about the LSAT. I'll go to a top 10 law school, get a stamp saying I'm a smart guy. So I move into my, my apartment at Berkeley. I'm going to, to Bolt Law School at Berkeley. I throw up the day I move into my apartment. I don't want to be here, dude. This sucks too. I drop out before a semester was over. I'm now 23 years old and I have no idea, none of these skills and no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Ended a relationship of five years in the same 48 hour period of time and I'm spinning. So um, it wasn't an occasional thought. You know, I moved back in with my mom and I, I was like the dude that lived at the library where I was reading, coaching a little league baseball team, you know, uh, but then. Uh, you know, spent way more time than I should have been thinking about creative ways to end my life. And I could laugh now, but it wasn't a pretty time. And, you know, Grace, different reasons um, came out of that. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, man, but I know what it feels like, which has given me a deep, deep, deep sense of grounded, humble compassion combined with, I also know what it feels like to feel a very stable, grounded sense of deep meaning and purpose. Now, of course, I have highs and lows, um, but I can connect with the individual that, that literally wants to end their life. And some of the notes I've received that have most moved me are those who decided not to after hearing about my story and learning some of the stuff. And I can connect with the most elite peak performers and help them go to the next, 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 next level. But I think there's something about that, um, you know, humility and also the scaffolding I've created for myself um, that I've been obsessed about. Dude, this is my, why I do what I do. I could never reach my dad, man. I lost him and, you know, everything I'm doing now, we do work with the special forces and, and um, some different people. My dad served in the Navy. I'm like, well, maybe I could have found him in the Navy, dude. You know, I serve these sports teams, but it's not the teams I want to serve. I want to serve their fans, man. You know, maybe my dad, who's in the sports, could have found heroic. And this work gets me emotional, you know, from that, that side of things. So that's just my obsession, dude, is taking the pain. And I think it's what the hero does, you know, they, they alchemize it. They turn that, that pain into a gift, right? Brian, you just said you never reached your dad. If he were here right now, what would you say to him? Man, I, I wish I could connect with my dad when, when he was just in it. So my dad's working in a grocery store, dude, you know, uh, trying to support five kids going through Catholic school. If I were my dad, <laughs> I would have, you know, there's just a, a, a slope. He's a good man that just struggled. Um, I'd want to go back and reach my dad, you know, when he was 17, enlisting in the Navy, you know, and to be able to talk to him and see him. And, and my dad, my dad worked his, his, his butt off for our family, you know, and just had nothing left. Um, yeah, I just want to tell him I love him, man. You know, I wouldn't even want to try to fix him. I just say I love you and appreciate you. And uh, he did better than his dad, you know, and I'm trying to do better than him. And my son will do better than me. And that's it. That's it, man. That's what we all want. That's what we all want. I think, Brian, you, when you laid that out, first of all, you got into Bolt, which is incredible. My attorney, who's the smartest guy I've ever met, who was the best man at my wedding, the only attorney I've had my entire career, David Feldman, went to Bolt. I know that's for the best and the brightest. That says a lot about you. You're with Arthur Anderson. Like, you had these things. Like, you were obviously so driven and so ambitious, and then it just spiraled and spiraled to the point where you wanted to take your own life, and you were kind of obsessed with that. You kind of glossed over that. Yeah, and then I, I got through that. I got through that. How did you get through that? Like, when, no, when, here's the, go ahead. Sorry. Here's the deal. So I left, I left law school, right? And the way that I frame it up is I had the same energy I have right now, none of the skills and the wisdom, and no idea how, how I would ever integrate into the, life, into the world. And I also had zero tolerance for doing stuff that I knew I didn't want to do. Some people I admire, you know, they can go to grind for doing things they don't like. I, I don't have that ability. So I felt like I was this fire hydrant of energy blasting up against a glass like a uh, window that was two inches away from my face and it was just coming right back at me. Um, but the only thing I knew I wanted to do when I dropped out of law school was burn my resume and coach a little league baseball team. So I go home 22, 23, I move in with my mom and I coach a little league baseball team and we suck. We're like the bad news bears, right? Nine, 10 year old kids. And, um, but I had an idea. Dude, where, that, where, where? I got to ask, which, which Little League were you? Dude, Fountain Valley Little League, man. Fountain Valley Little League, the Angels, you know. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, I can see it. I'm on the field right now, literally 0 and 5 to start the season, you know, just no idea what we're doing. The dudes with the headbands and clipboards are kicking our butts. The coaches that wear cleats to the games, you know. <laughs> uh, 
But I have this vision, this 1998-99. I had done some consulting work at Anderson on databases. And I can see that in a matter of time, every single team in the league would be online. At the time, nobody was. Yahoo was a directory. But we'd create an ESPN for youth sports, right? Like, oh, that's going to be a thing. Um, anyway, we win a business plan competition at UCLA's Anderson School. I raise five million bucks. I hire the CEO of Adidas to replace me as the CEO of the company. Rick Welts and, and Steve Wynn, the then CEO of Adidas, were our two final candidates. Um, we were kind of a thing, right? 1999. And I hired the law firm for which I would have wanted to work before I would have graduated from Bull. Now, that's the hero's journey 101. And that's, I shared that documentary with you that I happen to be in called Finding Joe. And I share this story in that movie because Joseph Campbell says, even in the depths of despair, you have a glimmer of hope and a glimmer of bliss, he would say. And you need to follow that. You need to trust yourself and do that thing. And when you do that, things tend to come, people tend to come into your life that you never could have anticipated. But it takes an extraordinary amount of courage at times like that for me to endure and to trust myself enough to follow that bliss. And, and that was what I, the only thing I knew I wanted to do at that time in my life. And it was surreal how everything came together. And now my life is about that, learning how to trust myself more, go on those heroic quests all day, every day. Um, and it, you know, it, it's kind of how I navigated that process. I, I love that notion of somehow digging deep and finding bliss in despair and that you will connect with others. Like, give me another real life example. When was the last time life truly, truly caved in your face? When was the last time that happened to you? Dude, okay, cool. Goosebumps as you asked that question. So uh, to kind of frame it up, so I run a company called Heroic Public Benefit Corporation on election night 2020. I, I had built and sold two social platforms before Facebook, right? And I sold my last one to a publicly traded company and it died a sad death like 18 years ago. We had a quarter of a million people in it, people who wanted to change the world before Facebook and it just died. So I've waited 18 years for someone to create an answer to the social dilemma. Have you seen that documentary? Sure, I have. That one I have. Okay, cool. Right, so I'm going to answer your question, but to frame it up. So uh, I, on election night 2020, politics aside, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm the guy that needs to create or try to create an answer to the social dilemma. A social training platform that leverages the best of social and persuasive technology for the absolute best. Get out of the attention economy and the unintended catastrophic consequences of businesses that hack your brain and create a social platform for people into conversations like this. Anyway, I have that epiphany. Boom. I know I'm going to create that company. Um, we create the Public Benefit Corporation. Two days later, I learned about crowdfunding regulations. They were changing from a million to five million, not Kickstarter, but like equity fundraising for unaccredited investors. And, you know, I come from from no money, so that's important to remove the economic disparity in our world. Um, long story, a little shorter, we file with the SEC. I send a note to our community saying, I want to make history. I want to be the first company to ever raise $5 million, and I want to create an answer to the social dilemma and change the world. In 24 hours, we get $5 million of commitments. In 100 hours, what? we get $10 million. We Dude, we hire the company that built Slack, Tinder, and Uber Eats, and Elon Musk's Neuralink to build our heroic app. And all that to say, we worked for a year. I gave them, we, we invested $5 million in them alone to build our app. Two days 
This is when the heroic gods kick me in a place I don't like to get kicked. Two days before our launch party, um, I tell my wife the night before, I'm like, hey, I'm ready for this event. I'm kind of a high-strung dude before I give big talks. We're live streaming it to I don't know how many thousands of people. I got 3,000 investors. It's a big deal. Anyway, I tell my wife, I'm going to enjoy this weekend. The app's working. People are stoked. Um, and I'm ready for my talk. The next morning, my team's on my at my ranch, you know, and they're hanging out in my kitchen. And I get a delivery from UPS. So, you know, I'm buddies with the UPS, dude. What's up, Wes? Hey, we're hanging out. It's a thin envelope. It's made out to the heroic legal department. Now, I got great attorneys, but we don't have a legal department, right? I'm like, all right, hard skip. What's that all about? I zip open this thin manila envelope, letterhead, Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, I'm pretty sure the combination of legal department and Securities and Exchange Commission isn't a winning formula. <laughs> so, boom, my heart rate's going up and, and all that stuff. Anyway, long way to say that was a good moment for me, you know, or just got the, literally got the wind knocked out of me for... 30, 60, 90 seconds there. And then in that moment, it was boom, time to flip the switch. And we got a whole protocol on that. Take a deep breath, ground yourself. And I don't remember saying this, but my right-hand guy um, was with me in the kitchen. He's looking at me, looking at all the legal stuff. Because I'm on the island in my kitchen, dude, looking at this legal paperwork while my team is 20 feet, 10, 15 feet away from me. And I told him, apparently, Mr. Balshan, the heroic gods have given us an opportunity to practice our philosophy and just went in go mode, doubling down. I, I meditate every day, but I jacked it up. An hour in the morning, an hour in the evening. I'm training harder than I've ever trained. I'm sleeping deeper than I've ever slept. And I'm showing up and trying to eat this challenge like an energy bar. Um, so that was, a, that was, you know, I can give you a bunch of others, but that was a, a recent really salient thing. Fast forward, we navigated it in eight months, usually takes 24. The firm that, that we hired to get us through is the best in the world at what they do. And then they hired me to keynote their partner talk to talk about how we went through it because they'd never seen anybody show up with, you know, kind of the, the grounded anti-fragile um, approach that, that we tried to uh, navigate it with. All right. So what my takeaway from this is you better have a process and you better have a protocol and you better have fundamentals because inevitably you're going to get punched in the face. It's not a question of if it's a matter of when and when it happens, you had best be in fighting shape. Right. Like you said, I'm a world class athlete. I'm a world class athlete in the way I approach my life and my fundamentals because you don't know when that's going to happen, but you know it's going to happen. So instead of numbing yourself and shutting down, you double down. That was the process. Right. That's what we should all do when inevitably the grim reaper comes or somebody else comes and they blast us in the package that's what we have to do right <laughs> right in the package that's exactly it it's nasim talib you know who coined the word anti-fragile he says the wind will extinguish a candle but it will fuel a fire so when you learn to double down when life hits you hard you literally the things that used to break you truly literally make you stronger you know, and you go to the gym to lift real weights. You don't go there to lift styrofoam weights. And if you want to live a truly heroic life, and this, by the way, is what Greg most, Greg um, Berhalter, the U.S. You know, national team, what he most wanted me to talk about was anti-fragility, anti-fragile confidence, how you forge that um, in the face of life's challenges. But that's exactly it. it my coach, Phil Stutz, in the Netflix documentary Stutz, um, he talks about it. He calls it emotional stamina. 
And one day he told me I had a lot of it. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, that's cool. I have no idea what that is. So the next next session, I'm like, what's emotional stamina? Well, it's anti-fragile confidence. You can handle hard things. But then I'm like, all right, how do I get more of it? And he said something that's just tattooed on my brain. He said, the worse you feel, the more committed you need to be to your protocol. The worse you feel, the more committed you are to your protocol. Completely changed my life. But it begs the question, what's your protocol? I was just going to say, what what's, what is, what, if you don't have a protocol, what is your protocol? Dude, so this is, you know, slide number whatever in my presentation yesterday. I, I literally said basically what I just said. And then I said, all right, you want to know your protocol? Well, here we go. Bust out a blank piece of paper, draw a line down the middle. On the upper left, put do. On the upper right, put don't. And then think back to a time in your life when you were at your when you were at your absolute best, it could have been a day or a week or a month or a year or a decade, when you were at your absolute best, what were you doing? And what were you not doing? And then what one thing are you currently not doing that you do when you're at your best that would most change your life if you started doing it again? And then what's the one thing, the kryptonite, and we've all got it, that you're currently doing that you just didn't do when you're at your best? And we need to take that out. That will most fundamentally change your life. And by the way, that's the fastest way to change your life. Quit doing the things that are destroying you, the kryptonites. Um, but that's one step toward getting clarity on the protocol. Um, but then you can, you can go back through that and you can say, all right, well, let's break it down. Energy, work, and love are big three, as you know. And we systematically help you get clarity on your protocol in the book, in the app, et cetera. Um, but most people are too busy blowing themselves up with the latest inputs, you know, whether it's social media stuff or, um, you know, news and all these things. But we got to slow down, ask ourselves, what do we want? What do you want in your life? How are you going to climb that second mountain, create a life of meaning and purpose? Well, this isn't a dress rehearsal. And then we start making the connection, imagining our best selves in three to five years is an exercise I use that science says is the most powerful way to build your hope and sense of optimism. Imagine your life in five years. You work hard, things go well. What's your life look like? It's a hard question for most people to answer because they haven't spent any time thinking about it. But you got to train your ability to get more and more clarity. And then you got to make the choices today that support the creation of that life. And then you get to enjoy this moment while creating a life of deep meaning um, and again, activating your heroic potential and all that good stuff. Oh, man, you've got my brain spinning in the best way imaginable. I'm going to ask you before I let you go about the book and the app and where our listeners can go to get to it. I want to be very selfish and just personalize this because I really I'm going to take advantage of it. Like I've got somebody here that I respect greatly and I know you'll understand this question, but I want to touch on something and I want to get your thoughts on this. I'm 59. I know I remember very vividly what I was like coming out of high school going into college, getting out of college, getting into this field. I remember how badly I wanted it. I remember the chip that I had on my shoulder. I remember the price that I was willing to pay. I remember the ferocity that I brought to it. For whatever reason, you can get inside my head and crawl around, but I wanted it. You know, maybe not. I wasn't the popular kid in high school. Whatever it was, I just know that whereas I might not have been smarter, I might not have been more talented, I knew I wanted it worse than anybody else and was willing to do anything within reason and ethically sound to get it. And here I am now at 59, and here's my question. 
I'm chasing that same feeling. I'm chasing that same chip. Is it realistic for somebody who's been through what I've been through and had the life that I've had, married, kids, empty nesting? Can, can I go back to at least that mentality? Can I flip a switch? Can I reclaim that same chip with the same intensity? Because that's what I'm chasing. Dude. Yes, is the short answer. Now, the good news is that that we're going to be able to bring every single moment of your life that led to this moment to ground it and to to deepen that sense of of true purpose on the second mountain. You know, as we were kind of talking about a little bit, like, all right, cool, you've hammered that first mountain 101 times, you know, and you've done so many great things with your family and with the world, etc. But this is activation energy, man. You know, it's it's this, that hunger, that drive, that kind of savage mode of I'm going to go get it. This is what we're talking about with 451 degrees. The reason there are 451 micro chapters in the book is it's 451 degrees at which uh, fire is ignited. One thing becomes another thing when you hit an activation energy point. Water doesn't boil until you hit 212 degrees. Nothing happens until you get to that point. I mean, Joseph Campbell quoted Sri Ramakrishna um, talking about the fact that you cannot approach enlightenment, he said, unless you approach enlightenment with the intensity with which a man pursues a pond if his hair is on fire. So that intensity is within you and all of us right now. We just need to activate it. But then you need to go. And this is what I told the team last night, too. Uh, intensity is literally one of the, the themes of, of their camp and all that stuff. You got to get to activation energy, but then you need to move way beyond it. It's not enough to hit 451 degrees. You got to get in the forge. The forge is 2200 degrees. Sit in that heat. Um, uh, but but absolutely no question. But then we got to step back and say, all right, well, what do you really want? And do the crafting on this next phase of your life, which as a, you know, someone who admires you and has so much respect for you and feels, you know, uh, to be a you know a new friend who i'm just fired up man it's like i'm pulling up my chair and grabbing the popcorn if i ate it and i want to see the show that you're going to put on in the next 10 20 30 years and the exercise that i give people to wake up to the fact that this isn't a dress rehearsal um kind of goes like this first i have them imagine their best self in five years that we just talked about so you imagine you at your best right and you got to feel that and you got to feel the things you got to do to be that version of you with your protocol and all the other things we don't have time to talk about right now. All right, that's nice. Then you fast forward and you imagine your life and you live like that guy or gal. Then you get to the end of your life and we never know when it's going to come and you die. All right, cool. That's a good thing to keep in mind. It keeps a sense of urgency alive, right? Then you're at your memorial service. This is what Stephen Covey used to use to begin with the end in mind, the ultimate end. What are people going to say about you when you're dead? They're not going to talk about the square footage of your house and your cars and whatever other things you had. They're going to talk about who you were. They're going to talk about the virtues you embody, right? So we want to get clarity on that. Then we want to bring those virtues back to today and be in integrity with them. But then what I really like to do is give people a taste of hell. So here's the alternative path. You imagine who you could be over the next one, two, three, four, five years, and however long we have to be here. Then you imagine your life in which you say, meh, um, I'll get to that someday, and you don't show up, and the gap is there, and you don't get rid of the kryptonites, you don't install the habits you know you could install, and you go forward one, two, three, four, five years, and however many decades you've got, and right before you're going to die, 
you're on your you're literally on your deathbed and you're sitting there and you're like geez oh my god that chat with jim and brian and yeah nope didn't do that oh pain and then right before you're gonna die the door to your room opens and in walks the version of you you could have been and you feel their power you feel their love you feel their joy right when you can't do anything about it boom you're gone some people say that's one version of hell to to meet the person you could have become right when you couldn't do anything about it and my whole thing is wake up you can do something about that and the moment you decide to be your best self and the moment you decide to be your best self after that and string together more and more of those moments you you connect to that that power that's latent within you and we just need to activate it through you know some of the ideas we've talked about um anyway long answer now but dude I, i'm yes 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 and i'm personally giddy to see how you're going to take your energy your wisdom your discipline your love and your courage and and kind of go next level with it in the years and decades ahead dude holy crap i mean if you won't use the bad word i will i, I two thoughts number one that is hell that is hell. You lay it out as hell. That absolutely is hell. And number two, that's one of my favorite moments since I started doing this podcast a couple of years back. I mean, that, that gave me chills. That was an unbelievable vision and image, and that really strikes right to the core of things. I mean, that is amazing. Brian, the book, RTA is amazing. It's a great, great read. I know, I know you spent literally half your life. That's not, that's not hyperbole. You spent half your life writing that book. Where can our listeners get it, and how do they get your app? Yeah, so then the book you can get anywhere, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, indie bookstores, airport bookstores. Dude, I get a kick out of the fact we're going to be in FedEx. We are in FedEx right now. So I'm kind of, you know, Kinko's, you know, you're, you're aspiring. Kinko's. Out. You know you're going to write a book. Dude, you know, uh, you know you're going to write a book at some point. You're like, yeah, I want my book in FedEx. You know, I want it to be one of those few eclectic little books. We're in FedEx too, which is funny. Um, but, you know, all the places you get books, Arte, A-R-E-T-E. Um, and, uh, you know, the app is called Heroic. You can find that at heroic.us. Um, and you can, you know, find it in your iOS and Android app stores. Just search Heroic. Um, we're the training platform. Um, but, dude, I'm so thrilled to be connected. So grateful that Sean connected us. You've been an inspiration for me. One of the virtues I commit to every single day is unapologetic intensity and who you are and how you've shown up and how iconoclastically you've expressed yourself. I put you right there with like John, John Madden, you know, just that boom, breaking every single rule, but you feel what I call your soul force, you know, that, that true, just idiosyncratic iconoclastic expression of a man who's alive. So I really admire you. I'm really grateful that we're connected and I'm really excited to, um, deep in our friendship in the months and years ahead. And Brian, I mean that sincerely. I, I, I appreciate that so much, and I feel the same way about you. I'm so glad that we came together and we are connected the way we are. And some of the thoughts that you gave me, like that that second mountain that I've already climbed 101 mountains, I know there's a lot of people listening because I know that the book appeals Arate appeals to, I mean, it works for anybody and everybody, but I know that it appeals to really high achievers. And the things that you were saying really, really hit me hard. Like, yeah, there 
been 101 mountains, maybe they've been scaled. I guarantee people listening, if they've gotten this far into the conversation, they have scaled their 101 mountains, and they're trying to find the next mountain. I mean, we could just go on and on. Let me just say, this will not be our last conversation. I appreciate you. Nothing lives up to the hype, and that absolutely smashed it. I know that I will go back to this episode and listen to it over and over again, my man. I can't thank you enough. I mean, that was just absolutely exceptional. Dude, you brought out the best to me. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> like I said, my head is spinning, but in the best way imaginable. What an incredible conversation. It blows me away that we all have free access to information that's that useful, that powerful, and at the ready. There were dozens of nuggets that I can pull from that conversation that would immediately improve my life, and I will. And if you don't think so, just go back and listen to it again when you can. I know for a fact I will, just as I know that it will be even better the second time because I'll pick up on things that I may have missed the first time because there was so much gold in that conversation. You should do the same thing, I'm telling you. But the one thing that I will say that remains with me most of all from that conversation is his statement that the only moment you can truly show up as your best self is this moment. This moment, this moment, this moment, this moment. And if you continue to string those moments together as best moments, one day you will truly be living your best life by showing up as your best self one moment at a time, right? This moment, this moment, this moment. Once again, I would encourage you to get Brian's new book, Arate. I already have my copy. It's incredible. And you should download his Heroic app as well. If you like what you've heard, can you do me a favor? Can you share it with anybody who you might think might benefit from it? And can you be sure to subscribe and review this pod while you're here? If you're committed to reinventing and living your best life, that would be awesome. Thanks so much. Remember, always forward, never back, because our best life is in fact in front of us if we attack every single day and every single opportunity. Keep knocking down your targets, and I'll see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.